In this edition of the Maximize Your Medicare podcast, we've got lower payment rates to physical therapy practices next year, which is going to create a problem and a large Medicare Advantage carrier is accused of fraud. Welcome to the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. My name is Jay O. I'm the author of Maximize Your Medicare, the 2020 edition available on Amazon.com, as well as, you know, the, the websites to your favorite bookstore. You can certainly get the book from there, support your local bookstore, and at the same time, the official website for the book, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. It's not only the fact that it's just the book, but there are other important updates there's the you know subscription link to the free newsletter, which you can get right into your inbox. There are copies of videos as well as podcasts all up there on MaximizeYourMedicare.com. Oh, and there are also some official resources, you know, links. For example, if you want to look for if you get extra help or how to file an appeal, all of the official links I've put up there that way, it's just a one-stop resource for things that you can look for regarding Medicare. The thing I like about the site the most is, you know, I just created this new page called The Latest. And the best thing about it is, you know, there's a tag cloud. And the important reason for a tag cloud is, you know, there's so many different topics when it comes to Medicare. Now, the interactions between Medicare whether that be your healthcare provider, whether it be Medicare, Medicare specific plan, all the way to other financial topics, because of the fact, you know, that Medicare and taxes are now running in the same circle, their interactions. Anyway, the point is, is that you know, there's it's very difficult to cross index all this stuff, but now on the late the page is called the latest. There's a tag cloud, so you can you know click on whatever your little topic might be, and up will come the related posts, podcasts, and videos. The first segment here is a, you know a quick update, which is coming in 2021, which is you know s- certain details are leaking out, and I've known some of them, but I've kind of kept them you know in my back pocket because. You know, what am I going to do talking about some update in April and, you know, so far away from 2021 and we've all been, you know, consumed by attention towards COVID. Anyway, 2021 is now, however, on the horizon for sure. And a recent update, you know, has informed me that physical therapy, occupational therapy, are both going to take 9% payment cuts from the CMS. Now, you know, when this kind of obscure headline crosses the tape or crosses the newswire, the average person, you know, probably just glosses over. It's like, "Eh, I'm not really sure, not really sure. Well, the reality is, and now I'm going to explain to you, you know, how I see that this can affect you. So it has a couple of components. First of all, let's just say you are on Medigap. Okay, so you have original Medicare and Medigap. For Medigap persons, this should not affect you, right? Because basically what happens is they're going to pay less to the physical therapist, which may inc- they may have to increase the cost, of which then 
you could have it paid for by Medigap. Now, this is one of those things about excess charge, right? Here's your perfect example. Let's just say, for example, your physical therapist is running at break even and they're not running at break even, but let's just pretend for the moment they are. All of a sudden, they ta have now taken a 9% pay cut. Well, one way to get back the 9% is to impose a Part B excess charge. And so you, if you are on Medigap, then this may or may not be addressed. Remember that only Plan G and Plan F cover the excess charge. And so this is one of those things that you can see. There's a video, probably the most watched video on the Maximize Your Medicare YouTube channel is this question about, uh, you know, whether or not Plan G or Plan N. And I'm pretty clear there. I build the case for Plan G. And you should watch the video. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. You know, I try not to post videos that other people have or try not to just regurgitate the same points as someone else might have. But I try to put it in a way so that you can actually understand the rationale. And so you can understand the rationale of, you know, my thought process, the same process that I bring in front of my clients. So, you know, it's important that there are things that you're controlling, right? You're not again, you're not smoking a box of cigars every single morning. You're not drinking three liters of Jack Daniels before 9 a.m. You know, that kind of stuff. People are consumed. They focus on the things that they think really determine their health. But that is true. And while that might be true, you know, have a good diet, etc., etc., exercise, etc., there's a whole extra set of factors involved. And some of those factors have to are things that you just don't control. Demographic and fiscal reality are two of those. Right? There are other pressures involved. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that I went about writing Maximize Your Medicare. Because I'm like, look, you've got to focus on a bunch of different stuff. And as a result of that, whatever Medicare configuration you're choosing has to take into account a much wider set of factors than people may believe. And now it's gotten more complicated because due to Irma, now that includes taxes. You can see other videos and hear how I roasted uh, Susie Orman for the fact that she did not include this these types of considerations in articles, her book, etc., etc. So, you know, kind of while being very attractive from a, you know, public relations point of view, pretty omissive of important details. Back to physical therapy and occupational therapy. Now, the reality is, is that occupational therapy, you know, to the degree that, and I'm using the traditional traditional word, right? Meaning that this doesn't really affect persons as greatly. Why? Because you're going, that presumes that you're at work and for at work, you know, you could have part A, but the cut is for part B, not for part A. All right. So it doesn't really affect it. And the reality also is that if you're at a large employer that you don't, you're not signed up for Part B in most cases. Not in all cases. You know, again, exceptions exist. 
maximize your Medicare, et cetera, et cetera. Let's get back to the topic. Now, the it does change notably if you're on Medicare Advantage, okay? Because now what could possibly occur? What I could possibly see as outcomes are two. Number one, either the copay for your physical therapist increases, right? There you've taken a 9% cut. So as a result, what's going to end up happening is the Medicare Advantage carriers agree with the physical therapy practices. Here's what we're going to pay you. Well, if that reflects the 9% cut, well, what can happen? Either the extra cost can go to the patient or policyholder, i.e. you. That is certainly one. So that's the first outcome. The second outcome is that the physical therapy practice may decide to simply opt out, right? Meaning that your favorite physical favorite physical therapist down in the strip mall or whatever place that you medical mall, they may not choose to participate in your in your Medicare Advantage plan, and in that you've got to be very careful because either under HMOs, right under HMOs you would have to be responsible for 100% of the cost, except in certain very special cases, HMO, POS. Or you would have to be, if you have a PPO, then you would be subject to the out-of-network cost for your physical therapy session. Now, this is not the end of the world if it's the the out-of-network cost, right? Let's just say it's a physical therapist that you've gone to for years or you know, you known for years and you trust that person or that practice and only that practice. If the physical therapist accepts the federal Medicare card, they will accept your PPO. It's just that you will be charged the out-of-network cost. That's how PPO works under Medicare Advantage, okay? So it is different than under your pre-65 health insurance. We'll get to the punchline that is here. I mean, you know, for persons who have listened to the other podcasts, and please do so, that the message of the book and the message to yourselves, and you can hear the implications. I've been leaving breadcrumbs everywhere, which is the moving parts of Medicare Advantage due to the fact that it's an annual contract, all the moving parts move annually. And The world has different stresses, and you can see it here. It just so happens that the stress point came from the CMS and the payment rate to the physical therapy providers. And also, by the way, that may or may not include speech therapy. We are waiting for further detail on that. Anyway, the point is, due to the fact that there are these other stresses, now you can hear under Medicare Advantage, right? There's, there are a number of different outcomes that can occur. Let's say, for example, you know you're a person who's a, who requires physical therapy. Now what I'm, the obvious implication, it should be obvious to you. I'm trying to make it obvious to you, which is that the obvious implication is the different carriers are going to handle this separately. That is almost inevitable. 
the result is that the cost and your access to the healthcare providers that you would want to visit, that can change. And what used to be the best way to access that physical therapist, which you've presumed, you know, which has been year for years and years using Medicare Advantage Plan 1, that has only been the matter of circumstance and luck. That is not really what is going on. It just happens to be that Medicare Advantage Plan Number 1 worked. That doesn't mean that it's always going to work. And now here you can see another situation where the cards get reshuffled. What can happen? The end result for you and your optimal plan can be different. That's the way that Medicare Advantage inherently works. That's the way that Part D inherently works as well. I know, I know. I'm a broken record. The next portion is, the next segment is, you know, the audio from the video that just was, or is going to be posted uh, in the coming days, which has to do with Cigna and the fact that, you know, they've been sued for fraud um, on a whistleblower lawsuit, which alleges Medicare Advantage fraud. Now, I discuss, you know, what Medicare Advantage fraud is in this case, and it has to do with something called upcoding. And upcoding, basically what happens is every Medicare Advantage uh, policyholder, you know, you're, you're assessed, a you're given a risk score. And based on that risk score, that determines how much the Medicare Advantage carrier receives from the CMS on an annual basis. And this is how, you know, Medicare Advantage plans can cost zero because they're receiving this extra, they're receiving, you know, a per diem of an allowance from the federal government. Well, the these kind of whistleblower lawsuits, you know, basically says that the carriers are intentionally stating that policyholders are riskier than they actually are, resulting in extra money that is returned to or that is given to the Medicare Advantage policyholders. So, you know, that creates this situation where the Medicare Advantage carriers are receiving excess funds. Well, those excess funds are also taxpayer dollars. So that's the importance here. Uh, you know, is this big deal, little deal, no deal? I certainly wouldn't call it no deal. Whether or not it's big deal, well, it's a big deal from the point of view that the, any dollar from taxpayers should not be, you know, <laughs> wrongfully collected by another party. Is it is it could be called small deal because the amount is small, and I do think it's going to be pretty hard to prove. Anyway, before letting all of the secrets out of the next segment, here it is. So this is pretty tough stuff. This is an article that showed up in Axios.com. So I first of all, let me say that I think that Axios.com is a very good website, generally speaking, for you know information that doesn't really sit in the New York Times on the front page. It has news analysis and certain interpretations without being overly impartial. Of course, you know, I can't really say that any site, any location in the media has zero partiality, but 
Axios pretty good. So this is an article, anyway, back to the point, which is an article about Cigna, which is a large Medicare Advantage carrier. And Cigna, the large you know, health insurance carrier as well, certainly. Now, what it does is it alleges a whistleblower lawsuit, as you can see there on your screen. It's kind of concerning. And this is going to be some tough stuff. We're going, you're going to have to bear with me here as I explain what is going on. Basically, what happens under Medicare Advantage is every carrier gets an allowance, just like you would give to you know your child, you know when they were let's say pre-adolescent. And so now let's for every enrollee, the way that this works is Medicare Advantage the carrier receives their allowance from the federal government, the CMS, okay? However, there's an adjustment. There's an adjustment. So let's just say that your allowance, your allowance for your child is $100 a month. Okay, I'm making it up. I have no idea how this works now. But $100 a month. Now, if the person has special requirement, okay, has a special requirement, they got a special class, for whatever reason, they need special attention. Then what ends up happening is the CMS gives them an extra allowance, okay? And the way they determine it is determined on the person's health situation. So you can see what happens. This whistleblower lawsuit is basically saying that the carrier, in this case, Cigna, is reporting to the federal government hey, look, we've got a lot of people and I need extra allowance. I need an extra allowance. Now, that in and of, in and of itself, that uh, we're not going to settle whether or not that's a good idea for a system to begin with. Jay, the citizen, Jay, the person who knows something about Medicare and the way this works, I don't love this. Okay, that's my personal opinion, and I just need to say that out loud. I, I don't love this system because the incentive here is too great, and you can see it. Cigna, and not necessarily saying any Medicare Advantage carrier, they get extra money to divvy up across all of their policyholders, okay? So... This whistleblower lawsuit is basically alleging to say that Cigna, they're intentionally trying to report to the federal government, look, we need extra money because policy number seven, policy number 35, policy number 475,001. Okay. These are special cases. I need extra money. Okay. Now, this is kind of problematic because... If they're intentionally, intent, what this whistleblower lawsuit is saying is they are intentionally, systematically trying to say that we've got a lot of people, please send us extra allowance. And that's basically what this whistleblower lawsuit is alleging, which is that, you know, that the carrier in this instance is in fact systematically reporting more risky policyholders than the average case. And that's basically the issue. Now, I don't want to point at this particular carrier, carrier 
and full disclosure, even though I don't represent that, that plan in 2020, that does not mean that I won't represent the plan in 2021. Because me as the advocate for you, the policyholder, do you really care here? Yes and no, because re reality is, is if that is the plan that fits you best, well, that's the plan that fits you best. Okay. And don't get me wrong. It's not riskless here for me to even post this. It's not because nothing stops them from watching this or other Medicare Advantage carriers and saying, okay, we don't want to deal with this guy. That is true. And I'm cognizant of that. I'll give you a story here at the end of this, of this you know, segment. Anyway, what you have here is that this is not, so by what I'm saying about Cigna spe specifically, it is not really my point to Cigna, you know, individually. It's just me reporting and giving you a fact. And it has happened in the past. If you look up on, you know, Google and you say, look up Medicare Advantage upcoding, you will see that this has happened in the past and you can see here the carrier this article says that this has happened in the past, as I just highlighted. Okay. Now, the real issue here are a couple. The first one that is somewhat concerning is the fact that what the, that the carrier is conducting reviews, which it calls 360. Okay. So you can know that your Medicare Advantage carrier may be reaching out to you to try to get a health assessment under the idea of, please get your risk assessment. Now, the reason should be that the carrier is trying to cut off, meaning identify risk, risky things about you in order to address your specific situation Therefore, you can be in better health, right? And lower your costs, which also not coincidentally also means lower claims and lower costs to the carrier. But still, this is okay for me, right? I mean, ultimately, the fact of the matter is if you're in better health due to the fact of a risk screening, can't really say anything too negative here. But the issue here is like, is here. is if these reviews are as a means to record false health conditions. And this is the issue. The crux of the matter is the fact that these you know, risk assessments for you may be systematically used to say that policy number, policy holder 475,001, that person is very risky. And if that is false, now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. And the reason you have a problem is because that means that the carrier is receiving an extra amount of allowance that I described when it didn't deserve it. It didn't need it. It was the average case, but still send me more money. Now, this is kind of a problem. And, you know, obviously, because the reality is, is if this were just a private plan, meaning just the policyholder and Cigna with no other party, then it's okay, right? Because 
that then reality is there's no extra allowance. The issue here is this extra allowance is coming from the federal government. This money is coming from the budget. A budget which is restrained by the fact that there's 62.3, I think that's the number, 62.3, 63.2, 62.3 million Medicare beneficiaries, 62.3 million. And we're going to go up to 50% of you on Medicare Advantage plans to give you an idea of how enormous Medicare is and how enormous these plans are. Okay. And to make things worse here is that Cigna allegedly paid bonuses to doctors to complete certain numbers of these reviews. Not part of this article. That number wasn't like $3. Okay. This is like $1,000. I want to call it $1,000 if a certain number of these reviews were completed by, by a primary care physician. So now you can see it, that they're not only getting this extra allowance, but they're paying primary care physicians to agree to do these types of things. Does it hurt the primary care physician? No, not really, because they're just doing their job. They'll do their job as described. Let's not even talk about the fact that, you know, the provide healthcare provider, you know, wrongdoing. We'll get to that at the end of this segment as well. But I just wanted to bring you up to date that while I don't think this is a systematic problem, the fact is there are leakages here within Medicare Advantage. Do I think that this is a widespread problem? I don't know. I'll just be candid with you, I don't know. You know, these articles are written to get attention. And it's gotten my attention because of the fact that it's, this extra money is coming from the federal government. Okay. It's part of the reason of why, you know, I said a few moments ago, I don't really love this program because the incentive here is so strong to try to get this money, to try to get this money from the federal government. The, in the natural inherent incentive is so strong that it's impossible that it's just very, very hard to control and how to police this stuff. Because clearly, if someone's systematically doing that, if a carrier is doing this systematically, that is taking from the federal budget. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Now, first of all, let me just say that I've written an article for, you know, the street.com retirement daily. So I'm an expert contributor here and, you know, I'm going to show you links and things like that for articles and, you know, videos that I've appeared. You'll see down here that there is a policing function in place that exists, that you can see, in fact, that this carrier has been sanctioned in the past. Now, this happened with their prescription drug plan. This is, uh, you know, this actually is, was, I don't believe was the Medicare Advantage plan. I'm not sure, but I want to call it the Part D plan. But anyway, basically, Cigna was disallowed from offering Medicare Advantage 
plans and Part D plans in 2016, you know, in other words, there are strong dissentives, right? If they're systematically found to be denying coverage or being false advertising about benefits. Okay, so you could see how complicated this subject is. It, you can see how complicated, this is the first time really that I've talked on a video about it, okay? Let me just finish with, by the first couple of things. Number one, very importantly, if you think that you're not getting the benefits as defined by your Medicare Advantage plan or your Part D plan, there is a formal appeals process available. There is. It starts with the prescription drug carrier or the Medicare Advantage plan carrier. Okay, there's no getting around it. There's multiple steps. You can go to maximize your Medicare. I have a link there that says filing an appeal. There are a number of formalized steps there, okay? That's different than if you're on Medicare plus Medicare, Medicare supplement, Medigap, okay? If you're a Medigap holder, then your complaint, your appeal is filed with the federal government, original Medicare, okay? So the processes, there are two different processes, okay? One for Medicare Advantage, another one if you have Medigap, or if you have nothing and other than original Medicare, okay? So that's the first thing. So if you got billed for a, a service that was not performed, please do that, right? Because in the same way here, remember that if you're being billed, that the federal government is paying a lot of that, and that is taking from the federal budget. Okay. And in a day of COVID-19 and the pa pa pandemic, there have been, you know, news stories about people trying to get you to sign up for tests or get testing equipment for free. And then they kind of, you know, innocently say, I need your Medicare ID. I'm not going to call you asking you for your Medicare ID for this purpose. You know, my clients, I have to get this information to assist them in enrollment. And even then there's countersigning always, right? I don't just get to like type in their, their Medicare ID and stuff like that without a very clear message to them. Do you understand that you are enrolling in this particular plan? And they get an email from the carrier to basically confirm this. So it's very important stuff here. Okay, but my point here, back to the point, which is that if you have received a bill, if you see something on your, your explanation of benefits on a service that wasn't completed or something that didn't you didn't receive, please put your hand up. You can do this. You can call 1-800-MEDICARE in order to report this. You can call your Medicare Advantage plan carrier to report this. You can call your Part D plan provider to report this, okay? This is what you can do to assist with fraud. Last point, last point of this segment. This is pretty touchy stuff. This is pretty touchy stuff. You can see, as I mentioned earlier, I'm posting this to inform people 
it's with commercial risk to me, right? Because every year I've got to get permission from the carriers in order to say, hey, I'm going to represent your plan without prejudice. And I'm going to, right? I have to put my hand up. I have to sign my name to it. I have to put my license on the line every year with every carrier. There's no getting around that, especially on Medicare Advantage and on Part D, D plants, okay? Which we're happy to do. I'm happy to do it because I want persons, my clients to actually get the comfort that, hey, I'm putting my fiduciary duty on the line when I'm making a suggestion to you. And this happens every day, which is that sometimes there's a little hole, there's a particular plan that I don't represent in a particular location in the country. Let's just call it Washington State. If, for example, my dip switches aren't flipped correctly, I'll just tell them, look, I'm not affiliated with this plan in that state for the year, go ahead. That's still what my finding was. No problem. I lost one. Not even, you know, the compensation is so low that it doesn't matter to me. It'll make a huge difference to my client. There's, there's no question about that. Back to the, the touchiness, which is this topic is so touchy, in fact, and the risk to me is fairly high, even posting this video you know, a kind of a secret to you. But the reality is, is that, you know, I've tried to actually ask other people that I call Medicare experts, other people that I call Medicare experts. And there aren't very many, right, that I actually go and bounce, you know, ideas or conversations about Medicare, because, you know, to me, the reality is that most of this stuff is not very complicated. But there can be an occasion, and this is one of those occasions. I ask them, you know, what do you think about upcoding? What do you think about this general notion? So <laughs> number one, I've spoken with persons who, and this was an actual response and I'm not gonna name names. The response was, I get paid a fee as a consultant from Medicare Advantage carriers. I have no comment. That's one. Another one. Someday in the very near future, I may be employed by a Medicare Advantage carrier. I have no comment. So in other words, you can see the issue is that not only are there power incentives by the carriers to try to get this extra allowance, but in addition to that, the qualified whistleblowers, the qualified persons to inform you here, not very many. Not very many. Anyway, this gives you up to date. This is going to be an ongoing story. Again, 50% of Medicare, Medicare beneficiaries, which is now over 30, that would mean over 31 million, are going to be enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. Basically, the CEOs of Medicare Advantage carriers, right? They're pretty much in agreement. And, and I, I would agree with that. That's absolutely my anecdotal evidence as well. Nevertheless, there are controversies here and it's, is it awful? Oh, 
Whoops, I, I forgot a point. This, this is what I get for not working with the script, right? I mean, like I said, I'm too busy to create scripts. So I just literally talking about these types of topics with this amount of detail off the top of my head, literally. In the carrier's favor is here, and this is an important point, is while you may have thought that this is not acceptable, let me just say, that this is also going to be very, very hard to prove that it systematically is the case. All right. Because let's just say you're a diabetic type, type one. Okay. So you rely on insulin, right? Well, you can know that five people that are diabetic type one, you'll have five different cases of all different outcomes, all different even though it says diabetic type one, right? You know this, you probably know some, but you probably know multiple people who are diabetic type one. The issue here is that to, you know, you could say, it's easy to say, well, diabetic patient number four, four, <laughs> not one, four. Diabetic patient number four you know, is a particularly risky situation, in which case they should be getting the extra allowance. Totally justified. However, that after the fact that patient number four, well, it got better or it he didn't, he or she didn't actually require healthcare services. Could this happen? The answer is absolutely could happen. Absolutely could happen. And you see how complicated it becomes because what ends up happening is this patient number four could be a high-risk situation. The doctor could say, look, logically, this person's a high-risk situation. This is my professional reason. These are my professional reasons for you know, making that assessment. For a lawsuit to say that doctors are going to hear and systematically cherry-picking and intentionally increasing the stating the risk assessment that that's going to be tough stuff. That's going to be tough stuff. And ultimately, that's kind of why I started this, you know, many minutes ago by kind of intervening and saying, you know, I don't love this system as a whole because it's too many er The incentives are too strong at the Medicare Advantage carriers. The amount of error could be too high. For me, the better way would have just said, look, Here's your average amount. Everyone gets the average amount. Let the carriers manage the risk. And if they did so correctly, they're going to make more money. If they did so incorrectly, they're going to make less money. For me, that to me would be the better way to manage the risk. No one's asking, Jay. We'll stop right here. That's all we've got for today. Be sure to subscribe and give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much. My name's Jay. I'm the host of the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. Speak with you next time.